Is the cold crypto winter almost over? What lessons have we learned from last year's crypto exuberance? And what role will active governance take in the blockchain world going forward? These are just some of the questions addressed as we welcome David Drake back to the show for an encore performance. With a special interest in real estate tokenization, David's been around the crypto block a few times, and you'll enjoy hearing his thoughts on the state of the cryptos. We've got words and things to say as well, including an update of our time in San Diego. Ready, fire, and aim, because it's episode number 254 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. We're here for you. Yes, you. You're probably sitting there going, who? Me? Yeah, you. But not that other guy. No, not that other girl. Yeah. I don't know. Those other people sitting over there? No. You have the earbuds in your ear holes? That's the ones we're talking to. We're talking to you. This is Joel Com. That's Travis Wright. And we are freshly back from San Diego, California, where we had the opportunity to deliver two. Not one, not three, but two blockchain workshops. That That was good fun. That was amazing good times. And one thing that was pretty peculiar about this was in the Social Media Marketing World Conference, in the audience was the saxophonist from Pink Floyd. (laughs) Yes, there was. Scott Page has been coming to Social Media Marketing World for a couple. This is his third year, I think. And uh, he's not only played with Pink Floyd, he's played with a whole litany. I mean, if you mention legendary musicians, he knows so many of them because he's an incredible sax player. And at the Thursday night party at the park, a club in San Diego. They had live band karaoke, and you, Mr. Travis Wright, took the stage along with our friend Michael O'Neill, friend of the show from the Solopreneur Hour, and Scott Page, uh, along with the the other the rest of the band to perform "Come Together." Yeah, that was wild. Well, I mean, we both put our our name in for a song, and you sang uh, you sang some Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and, baby. Uh, which one was it? It's my way. My, my way. Because it way. had to be my way. Yeah. It has to be your way. You just like let everybody know it's my way. That way everybody knows. My way or the highway, yo. Very good. And so saxophone doesn't really go with that. So he goes, man, he goes, you're playing Beatles come together. You, you, want, you care if I go up on stage with you? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he goes, you care if I go up on stage? Like, really, dude? If I, can, I mean, seriously, the saxophonist from Pink Floyd. Uh, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you serious? And uh, yeah, the video is on the mastermind. You guys can go see Travis uh, let it all out along with uh, Scott. Yeah. What was interesting was since Michael O'Neill played the drums for some odd reason, they couldn't connect the lyrics and the screen. So I was flying blind. And so like, man, I, I did not fly blind well, but it was still fun. It was still it's not fun. perfect, but it's fun, and, and yeah, that's yeah. all that really matters. I was literally in awe going, man, here I am. I'm here in front of a live band. This is fun, dude. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what lyric am I on again? Oh, yeah, well, I'll just sing this one. <laughs> Come together. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you need to know. Come that's true. Together. Yeah. Well, let's give shout-outs to uh, those who have come together w- with us to sponsor the show. Oh, I see uh, what you did there. Oh, yeah. Good. LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs. 
You got to hire somebody for your business. You want to find the best person. I'll bet you just about anything that that person is on LinkedIn. So their jobs feature makes it easy to get matched with the right candidates. You, you know, you want to use their artificial intelligence so that you are matched with both their hard skills and their soft skills, relevant, qualified candidates. That way you're not wasting a bunch of time interviewing people that aren't qualified. People who use LinkedIn jobs say it's numero uno for bringing them the best hires. And because you're hearing this on Bad Crypto, you can get 50 buckaroos off your first job post. It's easy to do. Post a job today at linkedin.com forward slash bad crypto podcast. LinkedIn.com forward slash bad crypto podcast. $50 off. Give them a try. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. Hopefully you guys are out there growing a business and need to hire some employees. So if you are, congratulations. All right. Uh, our other sponsor, which we love, Digitex Futures. They are a non-custodial commission-free futures trading exchange, and they have begun to onboard traders to their beta version of the platform, and that's digitexfutures.com. And what's interesting about this is this trading platform will eliminate all the transaction fees as well as withdrawal and the deposit fees. So I know. I mean, imagine whenever you're converted on Coinbase or something, and like if you're if you're converting a little chunk, you're like, "Oh man, how much are you getting Coinbase?" Dang! And so, uh, Digitex is using their own token as part of the tokenomics into this platform, which actually helps eliminate that stuff. So, check that out today. You can go to digitexfutures.com forward slash buy b u y dash d g t x. Go check it out. You can snag some Digitex, and uh, it's the future. They say. Oh, my gosh. I wish I had a good transition, but I don't. Uh, but our engineer, Double A, does, and he's going to drop it right now. You know, they just can't stay away. Once they've gone bad, they want to come back again and again and again, Travis. That's true, because, you know, it's uh, it's, it's addiction. It's a, it's a, it's actually it's, it's an illness. It is. And with proof of that, coming back for his second appearance on Bad Crypto is the founder and chairman at LDJ Capital, David Drake. Welcome back to Bad Crypto, Mr. Drake. Well, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Pleasure being on here. Excited being back. And, you know, the branding of Bad Crypto is really raising eyebrows. We had David Wheel, the former vice chairman of NASDAQ, over for lunch yesterday. And we said, we're going to be on Bad Crypto. And he's like, what? Bad crypto, <laughs> and it was just fantastic. Thank you for having me again. How, how do you explain that to him? Because people are always like, "Wait, is the crypto bad or is the show bad?" <laughs> it, 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 they stop in the thought process and they're trying to absorb what's going on there with bad crypto, and you can see their cogwheels turning. It's brilliant. So you know, I uh, I appreciate the genius of you guys having the name Bad Crypto. Hear that, Travis? We're brilliant. That was good. That was a Mr. Joel Com uh, uh, spark of brilliance there. So good, good on you, mate. Thank <laughs> you. What's a blue moon? Uh, a quick uh, shout out about David's bio for those who missed him on the first go around. Um, at LDJ Capital, they've got a multifamily office that deals in worldwide funds, accessing over one point five trillion—not billion, not million—trillion in assets maintaining over 50-plus global directors and family office partners. He's a leader in the crypto space, has been doing this for, what, since 2012 or something? 2011, 2011. yeah. 
all kinds of investments, all kinds of uh, commissions represented the U.S. Commerce Department in Brussels and Rome in 2012, was invited to the yep. White House Champions of Change Ceremony in D.C. and as a speaker to the U.K. Parliament in 2013. And he has graced us with his presence to share the state of crypto. Not at all. You're gracing me. You guys have been absolutely brilliant over the last few years being a thought leader and a spokesperson of the industry. So I thank you, gentlemen. That's so nice. Thank you, because your bio is way cooler than ours. Yeah, I'm good with adjectives. <laughs> we, we, we just had CZ from Binance on. We interviewed him yesterday. The, the podcast has not gone live yet, technically, but by the time that people hear this, it will have gone live. And uh, he started he started the uh, Binance uh, exchange at the same time that we started Bad Crypto. So I'm thinking he's doing a little better. Yeah, just a tad. But, you know, <laughs> we're right behind his, on his heels. So, right? so since you've been on last, David, we've seen the precipitous fall of the crypto market cap. And I want to start by, you know, trying to understand your perspective on what we have learned from this last mania that saw Bitcoin going up to 20,000 and the overall market cap over 800 billion to where we are now, which uh, as of this interview is about 135 billion. No, look, you know, um, I was exuberant. I was super excited in 2017. You know, there's hundreds, I mean, actually literally 10,000 different ICOs popping up left right, and hundreds of them that titillated my curiosity, coming up with brilliant solutions. I got super excited from the solutions and the visions that they had, and certainly got on board to help quite a few of them, and probably too many of them, because I just got too excited. So as the coldness of the crypto winter came in and maintained itself over the last eight months, it's been an awakening to say, hey, we have a technology in blockchain and crypto, and a few, very few of them that I'm still working with, the top 10 that I picked to decide to work with, that I decided, look, there's been too many of them. I got to retract and just allocate my global reach in my office. This is my director, my assets, top 10 best ones. That has allowed me to see that some of them have actually made hundreds in the billions. You know, they have operating businesses, you know, well, you know, Wax is one company doing, you know, up to tens of millions of dollars in revenue per month. There are some companies out there, they're rock stars. There's another dozens of companies I'm working with that just decided, yeah, we've got a run rate of uh, 50 years of capital. We don't need press leases. We don't need to tell the world what we're doing. We're executing. We're implementing our technology. And uh, what do we need to have maintain our token value? We just need to implement the technology. So those press leases will be coming out over the next year. And they're going to be announcing that, hey, <laughs> we raised money in the ICO market, and we have a real business, and we're making real money, and we're solving real problems. But 99% of them, of course, uh, they are thankfully gone or soon to be gone completely. And uh, the wake-up call to me is, you know, the active governance and supervision of the SEC and FINRA and the equivalent of other countries has been proven for decades to be implemented. They weren't created by chance. The SEC Act of 33 and 34 came from the Great Depression. They picked Joe Kennedy 
<laughs> because they figured the biggest crook should be able to catch the biggest crooks to supervise the SEC and 33 and 34 Act. Interestingly enough. So today, those laws are becoming more and more prevalent. And I think more and more people are realizing that, hey, there is a liquidity solution for illiquid asset or asset-backed tokens or security tokens. And I've seen a lot of groups working on this for the last 12 to 18 months, figuring out, can we do this for private equity? And, you know, us having the access and being in, been in New York for 25 years as a family office on Wall Street, uh, we're becoming a gateway for international institutions, private equity firms, hedge funds around the world, reaching out to us and saying, hey, you know what? We need access to the U.S. We have blockchain solutions. What's the U.S. doing about it? And it's becoming more mature, more grown up, so to say. And it's getting exciting because we're seeing private equity firms now coming in from BlackRock to Blackstone to JP Coin from JP Morgan, who is doing, you know, seven trillion in transactions globally to use their coin, even though it's not a crypto, it's a blockchain solution internally, but it's becoming more and more mainstream. And like I said a year ago, gentlemen, you know, crypto needs to be like um, Apple. The phone works. We don't know how it works, but it works. So transaction works. Technology works. How the details work, the mainstream might not need to see that. It should just be working. And that's what I'm hoping will happen over the next couple of years. What do you guys think? You know, it's, it's, it, it has been an interesting thing. You hit on a whole lot of points there. You know, here we are in the crypto winter, and you made some comments about, you know, there's some – some great innovation that's that's still happening while the winter is going on. And we've, we've had the conversation about the, the JP Morgan coin and how they're spending, I think you said $7 trillion a day or whatever in remittance fees and transfers. And um, I've seen, I've seen between five and 10 trillion, whatever the number is. That's a lot. That's a lot of trillions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and here we are, the crypto market's sitting at $135 billion. And now you got JP Morgan that's going to be, you know, transferring seven up to seven trillion dollars a day potentially in their JPM coin—that's just dwarfing, you know, the uh, the traditional crypto space that we're on. So you did mention that you were on sixty plus boards previously, working with different projects, and you've you know you've pared those down to focus on on some of the highest quality projects. What, in your mind, are some of the higher quality projects that you're working on currently? I. I'm heavily focused on e-equity, which is one of my own real estate exchange solutions that I put money into and I want to pursue. I think the demand in how to fractional on real estate has been misfocused by the crowdfunding industry for the last 10 years, which I've been tracking. I think the fractionalization of real estate can be enhanced by uh, blockchain. I used to focus on my own real estate. I mean, I got a couple hundred million dollars worth of real estate in New York and and in Philly, and we're taking in properties from other real estate products out there. As far as the real estate, the solutions of the past that you might refer to, uh, some of the companies that I want to focus on are, you know, fintech solutions like Ivy Coin, like um, uh, Wax. Uh, we power one of the companies who successfully raised capital from Naga Coin and others, and they raised thirty to fifty million bucks, and they did not lose that money because of ether and, and uh, capital and losing value. And they're building real technology, uh, and they're on track to launch things. Those are companies that I'm focusing more on today. 
But I think that there are still revolutions to be done on industries that are in the private equity space, specifically real estate. And I think the demand in the past has been wrong of saying anybody can put thousand bucks into real estate. I disagree that that's the market. The market to me are the family offices globally. As a family office myself for over two decades, there are family offices globally, and literally 11,000 of them. And they all want to be able to put capital into real estate to diversify the risk. While I was in Davos, you know, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, Mr. Klarman, a billionaire that is one of the very few people that Warren Buffett admires, uh, announced in the letter to his shareholder and to Davos participants that social unrest is tremendous in the world right now. The Middle East is in havoc. Capital in Istanbul for in Turkey can't be taken out anymore. I have friends here in the U.S. with capital over there and we can't get their money out from the banks. Uh, you know, Switzerland has already been through this. And in the Misha to China, I have, have a historic issue of being able to capital preserve your capital for other countries. And I think there's more pressure than ever before for foreign countries around the globe to get the capital out. I've never seen so many Saudis show up at a crypto event in Dubai last month. There were literally 15 of them running around. And as I sat down with them, they're like, look, we see all the people in Saudi getting the capital you know, taken by MBS and the government. We want to diversify our risk and get capital out. So there's, a, to me, a huge capital flight of capital from the family offices we work with globally, and they want preservation. And 33% of family office capital around the globe comes from real estate. And furthermore, we understand real estate. It's a building. It does not disappear overnight. The land is yours. It's not a startup where people walk out of the office and there's nothing left except a couple of desks. That's what happens. It's one of the oldest businesses, if not the oldest business in the world. So that's why, you know, my goal for the last decade has been can I fractional real estate and allow a liquidity for family offices to be worked with? You know, one of my partnerships is with family office networks, uh, the family office network in the world. They're in 24 cities, run 14 countries in the world with 10,000 members. So, you know, we're launching the first family office magazine for those members who have to 10,000 members. And that's part of corporate communication globally with the family. Because you have to stay in touch with them in an efficient manner. Uh, media and the investments has very heavily been focused in that area for years. And I think this is the first time I'm really conveying that we're executing on that vision I've had. So uh, a little outside of crypto, but I think I enjoy that. You know, any kind of questions? Well, you know, the the uh, the crypto space is also um, beginning to embrace selling, you know, real estate with crypto. And there's uh, one project that's been around for a little over a year, Proppy. In fact, uh, Rachel Wolfson, the crypto chick, just had the CEO of uh, Proppy, Natalia Karayaneva, on uh, on the Crypto Chick podcast to talk about that. And, uh, you know, looking at property.com and and there's all kinds of uh, properties all over the world that are listed here. I don't know, you know, what kind of success they're actually having uh, buying and selling through blockchain, but it's definitely a direction we're moving. Talk about that. So, yes, I was on the board for property in 2017 when they were doing their ICO. Natalia did a fantastic job and successful job raising capital. She's certainly 
a thought leader in the space for crypto and real estate. And what we're doing is very complementary to what she's doing. We're going after institutional investors. You have to have a minimal $100 million real estate property that's dividend producing to be involved with the work and the investments that we have made. Uh, while her focus is more on retail investors as well as institutional and other properties, while we're focused on gateway properties. So I see ourselves being very commendable and complementary to her platform and other platforms because we're also focused on family offices abroad. And that way we're distinguishing ourselves to be complementary to other platforms. But I said before that I think the demand question has been wrong. I don't think the demand is with individuals putting in 500 bucks into a single property in West Texas or a story house in the southern France. But I think the demand is with family offices like myself, that we want to sell 3 to 4% of our own equity in my Park Avenue property. We want to sell and get liquidity for a major gateway city property and doing so with other family offices abroad who just never could afford getting into Paris, London, Hong Kong, Singapore with a checkbook. So I think that's a distinguished difference between us and everybody else. Well, I have a space in my garage. It's in my $200,000 home that I can maybe tokenize. I can store a couple boxes there for someone, maybe a, maybe a suitcase. I'll oh, absolutely. Generous. You know, I'll, I'll send you some of my tokens and take 25%. very good so i mean you were one of the key players in getting the jobs act passed which sort of set us on this whole crowdfunding thing with finance right that was one thing that i really liked about kickstarter was that yeah i can get a product and i can prepay for a product but i'm not gaining any ownership in that product and the jobs act sort of passed and that allowed people to do crowdfunding within you know startups and, and help companies sort of raise new capital. Now, what have you seen now? So now we've sort of morphed into from ICOs to STOs and, you know, we're sort of evolving. Where do you see the current state of crowdfunding and crypto where it is today and where where are we heading? What I think, what's, what I want to happen and what I'm seeing the demand coming in from institutional investors globally is that they're realizing for the last year and a half, can I get a liquidity situation for my liquid investment? Can my investment that is in real estate or in infrastructure or as an investor in a fund in private equity that's locked up for 10 years be liquefied where I can sell a portion of it? And they haven't not always thought about it. They've been researching and they've been coming up with solutions to solve that. And I see that being something that's being resolved this year and I think we'll see momentum in it in 2020. Right now, you don't have a secondary market for it. And a secondary market that we've got in a Caribbean country, giving us the first STO exchange license to be operational, will be the first step in that direction. And the important thing is, can you do that compliant with U.S. laws, which we have accomplished a year and a half ago, both by the tech and compliance. So I think that momentum we won't see to 2020. I think there'll be a lot of talk about it now. There'll be momentum individually. But the secondary markets where they can list it has not been approved yet. Or rather, 
you have one or two like open finance that have one listing but no liquidity. You got T Zero who got together with Dino, a broker dealer to list there, but you have to have a broker dealer account with that broker. It's not scalable. We're not yet there in the U.S. to have ATSs launch. And I feel that the rest of the world is saying, let's see what the U.S. does before we say we are compliant at security exchange. I mean, there's four applications in Abu Dhabi for security exchange. They're been preliminary approved, but nobody has been given a license to operate an exchange yet. Mm-hmm. And that's happening globally. Meanwhile, I'm hearing from about 20 different countries around the world calling me up, asking me for guidance on how to create that for them. And coming up with a process where countries in Central Asia, mainly former Russia, Eastern Europe, the smaller jurisdictions throughout Europe, you know, from Liechtenstein to uh, Man of Isle, Estonia, Lithuania, etc., Ukraine, as well as in um, Asia, we're looking at can we take a leadership position in space and create an, a you know security exchange uh, license law. And those things will happen slowly this year. We have one has approved us for two of these exchanges in the Caribbean. We just have to finish off the paperwork. And uh, uh, for that to get momentum, not going to happen this year. Because even though you launch, you got to streamline the processes. You have to be compliant. There's like, you know, a hundred different things that you have to line up. Because now you're dealing with security law on a governmental or uh, a government level with different countries. So I think that will get momentum in 2020. Individual deals that I am aware of are happening in the $100 million range where SDOs are being executed. But I, I want to distinguish, you know, that you say SDO, there's a different aspect of it. There's an STO where my family offices say, David, I don't want to log in. I don't want to code. I don't want it to get stolen and me forgetting it. Don't even talk to me about crypto blockchain. With money. I don't care if you get by Bitcoin or not. I want my cash. I think to make you think a little simple, to simplify things and not complicate it. People need money to do acquisitions or financing. All right, let's get them the money. So what we're doing is fine. If you send Bitcoin, we'll do market to market and convert to cash. If you send cash, you send cash. And I think, you know, that might be the merger of the next 12 months where the hype of crypto this and crypto that will start merging into, uh, you know, we got stable coins. We got ways to make it more stable with JP, JP coin, and it becomes a solution that is not as speculative as the manipulations that, in many cases, have been illegal that we see in the last 12 months. And I think that's the see. We'll backtrack and go after groups and manipulating the market over the next 18 months. And uh, security exchanges will be le- uh, less exposed to that manipulation. So what do you guys think about that? I know I touched a lot of things, but I think what you think is interesting. Yeah, I didn't hear in there when you said, uh, you know, when Lambo, when Moon. That's kind of what we're missing. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of good input from, uh, you know, a guy who's really uh, intimate with the industry, talks to a lot of people, and you travel the world, and, you know, you see uh, the, the what the different players are doing it's funny how they're watching the u.s and the u.s here it's such a cluster 
um, you know, trying to figure out what we're doing. What does the CFTC say? What does the SEC say? You know, what does big money want to do or what are they waiting for? What, you know, what regulation is coming down the pipe and, uh, you know, different states are, are approaching it differently. And I would say, don't look to the U.S., <laughs> you know, kind of be like, be like Malta, you know, pave your own way yeah. and, uh, yeah. and, and just start adoption. Yeah, no, I, I think you have a good point there. You know, the reason we're offshore is because there's uncertainty in the U.S. Can we raise money in the U.S.? We've been doing that for 30 years. It's not a problem raising money in the U.S. The problem is creating an exchange for secondary market for those tokens in the U.S. That's the issue. To raise money in the U.S., I'd say this is one of the easiest countries in the world. You just got to stick to the rules, and they're not complicated. You got to be accredited. It takes money. And if it's monetary, you have to do the crowdfunding exemption or the Reg A exemption. It's not the easiest for me, I guess, because I was part of changing the law and creating the law. But fact is, to start a business in New York, you do it on, or in the U.S., you go online, you pay 200 bucks, and you have a corporation. That's fairly easy in corporation stage. Um, I think that uh, you guys are, I mean, you guys are in the middle of it. I mean, you got to talk to C. See uh, from Binance, you talk to Proper, you talk to all the thought leaders in the world. I mean, you have the the best mentors just by listening to them, telling you what's happening, what their challenges are. I mean, I'm uh, today, you know, heavily focused on revenue revenue generating properties, assets, or companies looking to leverage their customer base. And you know, in our network and the, the several dozen investments I have globally, you know, we have hundreds of millions of people's information. And uh, I think blockchain will make it easier to cross-pollinate different industries and businesses and assets with each other to make it more efficient. You know, we work with Chinese funds. We currently have a partner that lives in uh, Korea and Hong Kong for the next six months, purely working with the top 140 funds in equity, as well as crypto. And they're having meetings every single day. You know, we have our office in Dubai. And, you know, I have people on the ground in Zouk to London, you know, helping in the top 10, uh, you know, investments that are made over the last few years. And I think blockchain is still super exciting for an application for private equity. The checks are bigger and uh, the money is more serious. Uh, how, what kind of uh, private equity opportunities have you guys seen on your show? Well, I'm not sure. I'm just I, I I need to check with our Abu Dhabi office and our Zug office to see, and then our New York office. Right, right, Mister Jokam. We got to check our offices. Yeah, t- in the one in Zimbabwe too, because that's where Bitcoin <laughs> is worth the most. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't have any offices. Um, I keep forgetting that. You know, we, we we've seen a lot of interesting stuff, and you're right. I mean, that's one thing that's been so fun about uh, you know being part of Bad Crypto is that we have got a chance to chat with amazing minds like yourself that are doing great stuff and uh we've we've, we've uh, had some amazing conversations and people who are you know mentors that are helping us out and uh, helping us understand so we can help the audience understand because we're still all about mass adoption and helping you know uh you know regular folks get their heads wrapped around what this crypto is going to do because you know digital money is not going away it's only gaining more proliferation around the world we see it every day maybe what are as we wrap this up what are some of the things that you're seeing that um, lends itself to mass adoption? Do you have you seen any interesting things that is popping up that's that's that leans that is leading us towards the area of mass adoption? 
I'm glad you asked because, you know, look at JP Coin. You know, Diamond was the biggest criticizer of Bitcoin. And then internally, he created a blockchain solution for his own clients. Mass, mass adoption. Uh, Seven trillion, like you said, a day. (laughs) Holy smoke. That's something. Right. And, uh, you know, in asset management and consolidation and accounting, the forensic accounting of the blockchain is great for, you know, audits and the audit industry and accounting firms. I think your supply chain, it's tremendous. I mean, in the maritime business, I see tons of companies using supply chain. And if you think about it, it, wouldn't it be cool if we go to Whole Foods, you take your phone and you scan the barcode and it will tell you it came from Ecuador three months ago from this farm. I mean, that's what blockchain can do. I mean, we probably I'd be like, damn, this with. is some old fruit. I'd be like, I need to put this back. <laughs> right. And you're like, no, I'm not touching that. That's too old. <laughs> it's three month old shrimp. Yeah, this is great. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll give another adoption, you know, uh, SID, S-I-D-T, the company we invested in, in Spain. They put their, you know, use your Wi-Fi for free and earn money. I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? So what they did was they put their uh, SDK software of using free Wi-Fi into all of the uh, Dunkin' Donuts in Spain. And then recently they told me that they saw sales skyrocket 18%. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, all the kids want to use the free bandwidth of free Wi-Fi. Oh, because in Europe, you got to pay for it, right? We have unlimited here in the U.S., a lot of us. In the U.S. and Europe, they all pay for bandwidth. So all the kids and everybody else starting getting closer and closer to Dunkin' Donuts to get the free Wi-Fi. Well, guess what? Uh, speaking of old donuts, I mean, not old, but if the donuts are two days old or one day old and they have to sell it, guess what? They can press a button and get all these kids to buy two for one. Mm. Interesting, right? That's mainstream. I mean, you don't see the blockchain there. That's more like blockchain-ish. And I think that's where we're going to see the amplification in the industry. It's blockchain-y. You guys. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Well, David, we appreciate you coming back on the show and sharing your your knowledge and insights with us. And people can find you at uh, which website? Oh, uh, L ldjcapital.com and I'll be readily approachable if somebody wants to email me and I listen to bad crypto just say bad crypto on the subject and I will respond you're so approachable we appreciate that well thank you for having me on again you didn't, get, the best. You didn't get back to my response for me so I guess everybody <laughs> I'm kidding I didn't <laughs> Like it was a really bad email. Great stuff. No, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights, and uh, and best of luck to you as you are out there doing big stuff and and uh, bringing real world blockchain applications uh, to the masses. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, while you were listening to that interview, Mr. Travis Wright is being highly inappropriate and making all kinds of noise, which is which is creating an atmosphere that makes it incredibly difficult to finish this show. But that's why we're the Bad Crypto Podcast, I think, because we're if bad. It, you can't stop laughing and giggling, and then you got to start over again, and it's just uh, it's unfortunate. You're like a I little think we girl. We have more fun. Over. We have more fun than we probably should. This is Joe Com.
Uh, you know, we talked about the workshop uh, at the beginning of the show really briefly, but just want to kind of go down that path for a moment. We had the opportunity to speak to students at San Diego State University. The Arts and Culture Department brought us in to speak on the subject of blockchain, and we talked for about I don't know, about an hour or so and answered questions, and that was really interesting. We actually videoed the whole thing, so if I can get around to putting that together, we'll actually have a presentation that we can show you guys as well for sure and if you guys you know have a university or a company that needs to have a blockchain workshop of some sort that you think it'd be valuable within the organization reach out to us uh bad crypto podcast at gmail.com we've done this now in front of a whole bunch of people and the reception so far has been very good from people who know very little about crypto it, we've had multiple people come up to us and say wow i finally get it now Thank you. And so I had a lot of people chatting about that. And so if you guys need a workshop, let us know. We can go where there's dough. <laughs> oh, yes, we can. <laughs> I was hoping I could rhyme that, but I could. Well, the second one was at Social Media Marketing World. It was on day one of the three-day event. And that's the day that they have workshops. And people can choose from a lot of different ones. We had about 60 people come to ours, which is a real small workshop for this event. But, you know, let's face it. Crypto is a really forward-thinking you know, space. And the people who were there, they were blown away because we showed them some of the the new sites that are coming up and ways to earn crypto and how social media is going to be transformed. And uh, these are people that are going to help lead the way as crypto comes to the forefront. Yeah, it really is changing digital marketing and digital advertising. Because imagine, man, all the ads are, can be on the blockchain when they get clicked and verified that they were clicked and you can eliminate click fraud. So many areas that uh, that it works in that particular space. So uh, I was I was uh, pleased with the with the feedback we got, Mr. Jokam. It was fun. And we're home in our respective locations for less than three weeks because we will be going off to Paris, France to MC the Paris Blockchain Summit during Paris Blockchain Week. And that's going to be fun, too. Yeah, we're going on down there to Paris, Texas. <laughs> it's a blockchain summit week, right? Oh, is that? Wait, this was in France? This is France, Monsieur Slavis. Do you not France. know? <laughs> it's going to be fancy in France. I'm gonna. Should I bring a yellow vest? If you like, if you're going to protest being there, I suppose. Mm, that could be fun. Yeah. No, I don't know. I want to kind of, I want to see that from a distance. I don't want to get too close to any of the protests because some of them become dangerous. Maybe dangerous. There's some stuff going down. Mm -hmm. There is. Like 20-some weeks in a row or something, right? The world is an interesting place, Mr. Travis Wright, and uh, you can count on us to report it to you honestly. Don't be listening to uh, those news networks, though, because they just lie to you for years at a time. <laughs> we try not to get too political except when we have been right the whole time yeah <laughs> <laughs> what is it about being right that helps us stay bad is that a is that a rhetorical question i don't know i just it's it could be the end but it could also be that was really good yeah stay bad or not to stay bad that's not a question that's shakespeare mm-hmm. The 
Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.